0: Well, good morning. It is the 18th of March, 2021. Um, Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. I'm going to open today by reading a couple of um, bits of testimony, I'm going to describe it that way, Um, offered in the Senate Judiciary Committee related to the Equality Act. Why am I doing this? Because it's going to be hard for you to find um, this material pretty much anywhere else. And it's gonna. It's hard for you to find the people who I'm quoting because these are people whose um, written works, books, have um, been removed by Amazon. So we have authors like Abigail Schreier. Uh, she is a Wall Street Journal reporter. She is also the author of Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters. And she has been uh, testifying on Capitol Hill in relationship to the Equality Act. Now, you might want to get your hands on her book, Irreversible Damage, um, but you you can't go to Amazon to get it. And so it's going to be hard for you to find the substance of Abigail Schreier's arguments. Um, And so I thought I would give you a bit of what she said yesterday in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee Uh, about the damage that the Equality Act is doing and will do to women and girls. She simply asked the senators this question, I mean, among her other testimony, which you can actually go and listen to all of the Senate testimony if you want to. um, It's it's being carried widely. Uh, Abigail Schreier, author of Irreversible Damage, and yes, I've repeated it three times for a reason. um, She said this yesterday. She asked the senators this, if your daughter, if your granddaughter was the top high school tennis player in your state. And then five biological boys suddenly decided at the age of 17 to identify as female and compete as tennis players. Should your daughter, should your granddaughter drop overnight to number six? Should she lose her college scholarship to a male-bodied athlete? who would never have qualified on the boys' team? Does that strike any member of this committee as fair or just? Now, for those of you who maybe listened to the testimony live yesterday um, or maybe have read Abigail Schreier's quote somewhere else since then, I am wondering if you heard how I changed her testimony. Did I quote her directly, or did I quote her in substance, but not word for word? Now, most of you are saying right now, Carmen, I have to trust. I have to trust that when you tell me that you're quoting someone, you are quoting someone. Well, here's the challenge we now face. And by the way, I did not change the substance of her quote in any way. Um, In the middle there, um, where uh, where in the quote that I'm reading, there is a dash, so... Here is the quote as I'm reading it. If your daughter or granddaughter was the top high school tennis player in her state and then five biological boys suddenly decided at the age of 17 to identify as female, should she drop overnight to number six? What I added in there where in the quote there is a dash was that these biological boys who suddenly decided at the age of 17 to identify as female would also uh, need to enter the, the tennis realm. And so I added that in. And so they identify as female and they decided to start playing tennis. All right. All right. Competitively. Okay, so I didn't change the substance of the quote, but but you are relying on me to tell you if I'm quoting something that is actually a quote. Why am I harping on that? Well, Ryan Anderson, it's also hard to get his books these days when uh, when when Harry became Sally, has also been deplatformed by Amazon. You can still get it from Barnes and Noble, but um Ryan Anderson, who heads up the the EPPC, the Ethics and Public Policy Center, um, and is a genuinely good thinker um, on all of these topics. He has been quoted, I mean, with quote marks by a Washington Post reporter who fabricated the quotes. And um, and so and and a PR firm then went on to publicize the fabricated quotes so we are living in a time when if I don't actually hear you say it myself, I'm not terribly sure that the quote that I'm reading from you is legitimately a quote. The Washington Post reporter um, uh, went, went on to say in defense of her action, um, she claimed that what she was quoting, um, she claimed it was so clear what Ryan Anderson was saying. she didn't need to bother asking him. She falsely reports that uh, that Ryan Anderson in a lecture said that, quote, the LGBT equality is akin to what gave us the Holocaust. Ryan Anderson never said that. Ryan Anderson doesn't have a view uh, that could be represented in that way. But he is quoted as saying that in The Washington Post. Okay, so there we go. Or by a Washington Post reporter on Twitter. There we go. Um, All right. Ben Johnson is next up. We're going to talk about freedom of speech. We're going to talk about accuracy in reporting. We're going to talk about the Equality Act before the Senate. And we're going to talk about the death of Luis Palau. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
2: is my right,
1: a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in
0: freedom. All right, joining me now, Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. You can find him at Acton, acton.org. Ben, welcome back.
1: Good to be with you as always, Carmen.
0: Oh, my goodness. My list of things I want to talk with you about today is entirely too long. I want to talk with you about ministerial exemption, which we're clearly not going to get to today. But let's put let's tee that up for a later conversation. I want to talk with you about um, quote marks. And let me just ask you this. If you see a pair of quote marks, what do you think that means?
1: Usually that would indicate these are the actual words of a human being. Uh, But uh, if you see that in The Washington Post, it's sometimes uh, simply the extrapolated words or thoughts of the reporter.
0: And let me just say, if a quote appears on the first page of The Washington Post, which this one didn't, but let's just assume for a moment that a quote in quote marks with quotes around it appeared on the front page of The Washington Post, would the retraction of that also appear on the front page?
1: You would expect that the retraction would be at least as prominent as the remarks, but uh, this is not the case. Ryan Anderson can repeat that old uh, phrase from the Reagan administration, where do I go to get my reputation back?
0: That's exactly right. All right. Well, he's our friend, and we want to – we want to highlight, uh, highlight him and uh, and just, just acknowledge what's going on in the culture. All right. Let's talk about the Equality Act. Tell us where we are in the process and what's now being argued um, that maybe maybe some arguments that you are enjoying listening to.
1: Yeah, the Senate Judiciary Committee had a three hour hearing on the Equality Act. It's already passed the House. The next step is for a vote in the U.S. Senate. So that's that's what's happening right now. There, were, uh, As you mentioned, I was particularly uh, enamored by the fact that they brought up Abigail Schreier to testify. As you say, she's been canceled because of her book, Irreversible Damage, the transgender craze seducing our daughters. And uh, she's, she's not been able to sell that on Amazon. But they couldn't cancel or deplatform her from uh, the most august and uh, magisterial debate society in the United States. So I was glad that they brought her forward for that. One of the exchanges that I thought was particularly telling uh, about the consequences of all of this was uh, when Senator Ted Cruz asked her about what happened in Connecticut. Uh, as, as she mentioned, there's the, the definition of gender under the Equality Act is totally changed. The Equality Act essentially does a couple of things. It amends all civil rights legislation, but especially the 64 Civil Rights Act, and replaces the term sex with sexual orientation and gender identity. So it says that the word sex includes homosexuality and transgenderism. But the way that you define uh, who is transgender under the, the act is very simple. Anyone who says he identifies with the opposite sex or she identifies with the opposite sex is transgender. There are no medical standards. There's no psychological standard. And of course, the LGBTQIA plus movement uh, believes that gender is fluid so that you could continually change back and forth one way or the other. So particularly before uh, track meets, for example, a male athlete could identify as female and compete against women, as you uh, mentioned in your opening monologue. This actually happened in the state of Connecticut. Two transgender stars, Chelsea Mitchell and Andrea Yearwood are the names that they go by now. They were raised as boys, identified as female. They've won 13 out of 14 state track and field championships. 13 out of 14 by two transgender men, which means every woman who gets on on the field against them knows instantaneously the championship's going to come down to one of two people neither of whom could compete against biological males so uh, that's this means that women are being locked out of sports in their own uh, in their own area but then of course they have to go back to uh, the changing room and shower alongside uh, these people so it's it's a big issue in that term the uh, Quality Act also radically expands the definition of public accommodation, and this is concerning for churches uh, because it's any establishment that provides a good, a service, or a program. First of all, that explicitly includes shelters. So battered women' shelters, including battered women' shelters run by churches, would be forced to admit men who identify as women. And you can imagine the problem this brings up uh, if the if the abuser suddenly decides that he's a female and decides to identify as a female then the uh, shelter has a, a sort of a Hobbesian choice. Either they have to break the law or they have to admit the abuser into the shelter with the battered woman. Uh, this also applies in some cases, could very well apply to prisons. C- certain states have passed uh, passed their own version of the Equality Act, and male inmates have transferred into female correctional facilities and raped women. This has happened in Washington state. It's happened in Illinois and it's happened uh, in other nations where they have these sorts of ideas. What's particularly concerning for religious groups is that the Equality Act also bans the use of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, or RIFRA. Anyone who is sued under the Equality Act can't use that. It explicitly says that you cannot invoke that as a protection against any lawsuit. So a religious nonprofit could be prohibited from requiring people to live their faith on traditional sexual morality, and the belief that there are two sexes—if they are sued, then they have no defense uh, except to, to throw themselves at the mercy of the court on other laws and other bases. Yeah, the the need for RIFRA was so clear, so yawning, that the bill was introduced in the House by then Congressman Chuck Schumer, signed by President Bill Clinton. And uh, so the need for RIFRA is obviously clear and bipartisan. But uh, this would this would exempt. Religious uh, institutions, and nonprofits, from invoking it, even though it's on the books.
0: Okay, I want to. Um, I want you to just bring us up to speed um, quickly when we come back from a break about uh, where we are in um, in the nomination of uh, HHS Cabinet Secretary Becerra. I want you to bring us up to date on that. Right after this break, I'm talking with Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. We'll be right back. <laughs> Continuing my conversation with Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute, um, Ben, bring us up to date. Uh, we had been, well, many of us had been advocating against the advancement of uh, Xavier Becerra to serve as the next cabinet secretary in um, in HHS. Um, what what what's happening with that nomination?
1: It's going to go to the full Senate, uh, as you mentioned, Becerra. Uh, has been nominated to be uh, Cabinet Secretary of uh, Health and Human Services, which oversees so many grants that affect nonprofits run by religious organizations and churches. Uh, This was, of course, where the HHS mandate came from. And Becerra, when he was Attorney General of the state of California, where he succeeded succeeded, uh, Kamala Harris, he sued in order to remove religious exemptions from religious nonprofits, specifically the Little Sisters of the Poor. So his outlook and his ideology is extreme on this. Uh, it's going to advance to a full Senate vote. Uh, they they uh, essentially ended a debate on this. It advanced uh, 50 to 49 with uh, Senator Susan Collins uh, of Republican of Maine casting a vote along with all the uh, Democrats in order to go to the full Senate vote. Most likely, he will he will uh, prevail by that same margin. That's highly concerning, uh, not only because of uh, his his. Uh, Advancement, but also because of what it tells us about the politics of the Senate. Essentially, Senate Republicans had two nominations before them. One of them was uh, Nira Tandon, who is the head of uh, the Center, of American Progr- Center for American Progress. Uh, she's a, a very much a left-wing ideologue, and she has a, a Twitter feed that uh, would make Donald Trump blush in terms of his, uh, her sheer uh, vitriol. And she's known to have some temperamental issues. Certainly, some uh, some other issues in the way that she's managed. Uh, CAP. But nonetheless, she was advanced for one cabinet position. Becerra, former congressman, former attorney general, was advanced here. And essentially what it comes down to is that the Republican Party decided they don't want to be the party of no. They want to be sure that uh, Biden gets at least someone that he nominates. And so he he nominated someone he thought had no chance of getting through. And then he nominated Becerra. The Republicans fixated on Tandon because of her mean tweets against them. Now, what this tells us is that uh, if if you want to sink your political career, you offend the most powerful people, and they will take their revenge on you. When it comes to people who are offending the least powerful people, the most vulnerable people, nuns, children, the unborn, it's fair game. It's free, and you will ultimately prevail. Becerra, you know, is a very uh, comes across as very calm, temperamentally. Uh, uh, well-adjusted individual, level-headed, very well-spoken in all of his hearings, and very respectful of the questioners. Uh, Probably has a very good relationship with him and did in the House. But we're not nominating him to be best man at the wedding. We're nominating him to be head of HHS. And his personal demeanor doesn't matter as much as his policies. And unfortunately, Senate Republicans decided personal demeanor was more important than the damage that would be done to nuns and religious nonprofits.
0: Uh. All right, so <clears throat> let's, uh, let's quickly visit about Luis Palau, because we want to um, oh, we want to give testimony to a life well-lived and a brother in Christ now, uh, now with Jesus. You have this uh, written up at your blog, which fo- folks can find at blog.acton.org. Tell, uh, tell us a little bit about Luis Palau.
1: Well, Luis, Luis Palau the, the Billy Graham of Latin America the apostle Paul to the Spanish speaking world those were some of the uh, some of the uh, phrases that were used about his incredible life Luis Palau of course used to hold these massive outdoor rallies all over the world particularly in the Spanish speaking world started out uh, working for Billy Graham Ministries uh, as part of part of that operation and then uh, began holding crusades all throughout Latin America. Eventually, they changed into full festivals with Christian music and a really celebratory atmosphere in public parks instead of in um, you know, civic centers and things of that sort. But he has converted undoubtedly millions. There's no way to know exactly how many people, how many lives someone like Luis Palau or Billy Graham has touched, but he has undoubtedly converted millions to the gospel of Christ. And uh, he's, he's done so at great personal sacrifice. You know, he and his wife, Pat, uh, met when he was studying at the uh, Multnomah uh, School of the Bible in Oregon. And they were married, I think, 59 years. He he estimated that uh, of the 57 years he was actively in ministry, so uh, the last two years he was suffering so badly. But of the, of the 57 years where he was traveling internationally, they spent 15 years apart. So he had tremendous, uh, tremendous sacrifice. In order to bring the gospel about, one thing I want to point out in the life of Luis Palau, this incredible harvest of souls for our Lord in the way that he's preached and promoted the gospel, is that Palau, throughout everything, he shows the importance of Christian radio. What encouraged him to get started was he was working in a bank as a banker, and he heard Billy Graham on the radio, and it changed his life. And so when you're working in Christian radio, when you're proclaiming the gospel, the truth that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent into the world to save sinners like us, that he died on the cross, and that if we put our trust in him, our sins are wiped out, that truth is so powerful, the proclamation of it is so powerful, that it changes lives, and even even a small, simple radio broadcast, if it reaches somebody like Luis Palau, can bring millions to the Lord. That's why it's so important that programs like this and networks like Faith Radio Network remain on the air, and uh, they do so with your support. But that's, that's so important because it's changed the lives, not just of one man like Luis Palau, who was ready to be a good guy and a Christian banker, but it made him one of uh, the foremost apostles to all of an entire continent and uh, one of the foremost uh, evangelists of our time.
0: We really want to celebrate his life. We want to you know, acknowledge the grief that in particular his family is experiencing, but also their joy. Um, this is a This is a brother who uh, now lives eternally in the fullness of the presence of the Lord, and Ben and I want you to get that business done with God today if you have never done so. If you have never turned to God and said, "You know what, um, I acknowledge you, I recognize my sin, my brokenness, my need for salvation, I desire I desire your grace." I recognize it's all sufficient it's offered in Jesus Christ who who you sent from heaven to earth and from earth to the cross and the cross to the grave and who now reigns seated at your right hand god i don't know everything there is to know about you but i want i but i want to be with you i want to be restored in my relationship with you literally all you have to do is turn to him and say god i want you i want you um i want you and he will give himself to you. Scripture affirms that if if we confess with our our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. I think that Luis Palau would want us to testify now to the goodness of the grace of God and its all-sufficiency to save you, you, and to invite you to turn to God right now, and just say, I want want you, and I want to be yours forever and ever. Ben, um, as always, thank you so much uh, for joining us today, talking through some of the hard issues of the day, doing so from a Christian worldview, and testifying to the goodness of the all-sufficient grace of God in Jesus Christ.
1: Thank you for the conversation, and thank you for proclaiming the gospel day in and day out.
0: Amen. Thank you, brother. We'll be right back. All right, uh, a lot of you texting in, communicating this morning that um, the preponderance of the news is weighing heavily upon you. Let me re- remind us that we, uh, we have been here before. Psalm 94, verse 3, asks the question that many of you are asking today, how long shall the wicked exalt? Um, there was news yesterday that the young man... Um, it, just north of Atlanta, who um, killed so many Asian women? Um, murderous rampage. Uh, you're going to see lots of articles about this. At one point, you are going to hear that this is a man who was raised in a Southern Baptist church and discipled in the Christian faith, and you're going to um, you're going to hear awful things. And some days it seems like wickedness and sin. And the culture of death are winning. But if you read on in Psalm 94, which begins again, how, how long shall the wicked exalt? If you read all the way down to like, let's say, verse 19, you're going to see that the Lord hears every cry, acknowledges every pain, and never forsakes his people. Um, the psalmist says, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Friends, we got to have an eternal perspective on what's happening um, moment by moment in the world today. And we have to be equipped not only to think eternity, but actually walk as people of eternity in the midst of the realities of the world. So Matt Brown is an evangelist. He's the author of Truth Plus Love. He's the host of Think Eternity with Matt Brown. Um, And he joins me next to talk about what it means to think eternity in the midst of the realities of the world today. That's up next on Mornings with Carmen.
1: What do you want your kids to be like in 10 or 15 years? What qualities are you hoping they'll acquire? With that in mind, how should you train your child today to reach that long-range goal? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. As a mom or dad of a teenager, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day pressures of managing a family. Your target should be to raise a responsible adult, not necessarily a compliant teenager. So when you're in the heat of the battle, keep your eyes on the horizon. A weak and docile teenager might simplify your life, but becoming a responsible adult is far better. And some days, it may get messy. Hang in there. Your hard work will deliver rich rewards. When all else fails, moms and dads turn to Mark Gregston for help. Equip yourself with the wisdom you need to succeed at parentingtodaysteens.org. All right,
0: Matt Brown is back. We have uh, talked with him last May uh, at the release of his most excellent book, Truth Plus Love. He's also the host of Think Eternity with Matt Brown. Um, You can find him on all of the socials. You can follow him at Evangelist Matt. Hey, Matt, welcome back.
2: Hey, Carmen. Great to be with you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. So if I were to go to the Think E for think think eternity thinke.org um and I were to start to roam around you're going to encourage me to be thinking eternity and that sounds a little hard to imagine so what does it mean to think eternity and and how do we begin to do that
2: for sure it really just came out of this heart and desire that I had heard many years ago Uh, back at the start of our ministry, uh, to think and live with eternity's values in view. So to think about not just what matters right now, in this moment, in this season that we're in in our world, but to think uh, from a biblical perspective, from God's perspective, and to think about those things that really matter, you know, over the course of our lives, and to try to live that way now, to try to live for those things now. But really, it's our heart and desire just to encourage people's faith, uh, to help people find fulfillment, but we can't find it in ourselves, but to find it in God, uh, and so to point people to Jesus Christ.
0: Some things that come to mind as you're talking, like, you know, would be passages that are, you know, think about these things, or set your mind on the things that are above, or every thought captive to Christ, or seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, When you draw me in and you say, you know, like, I'm I'm supposed to be a person who is representing the kingdom of heaven in the midst of the kingdoms of this earth. Um, I am here to represent a king and the principles of a different kingdom. That is hard to do with the myriad distractions that seem to press in upon us every day. So are there a couple of I don't know. Maybe you've got some tricks of the trade here. Um, Are there some things that you do to sort of reset yourself when you feel drawn to focus on the darkness instead of the light or the pepper instead of the salt? Right. Well, I'm naturally
2: a a bit of a positive person, but that's not, you know, that's not enough these days. There's a, this is a very difficult time in our world. I've asked some older pastors and leaders, have you ever gone through a time like this? No, we've never gone through it. There's so much so many difficult things that all of us have gone through uh, in the last year. Uh, And there's so much politicization. There's so much uh, things that are difficult to understand and things that are disturbing. And I know that you cover some of those topics on a regular basis uh, to how a Christian should think about those things. Of course, for me, one of the things on my heart has just been that we still need to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. We still need to pursue, no matter what's going on in our world, a life of love and joy and peace in Christ. I think those are some of the main things we're called to have as a follower of Christ. And this hope, this fulfillment we're supposed to walk with, he didn't mean for us to live in discouragement or despair, even though those things can naturally happen in our lives. So we need what we need to do is abide in Christ. We need to get into our Bibles. We need to pray and we need to seek God in the midst of these things. And we're not going to find strength from ourselves when times get really hard, we're gonna find it from seeking God, and that's for me that's what I've been doing. I have had such a burden to seek God over the last uh half of a year uh of course through my whole life in ministry, but it's grown right now in the season, and I have just a burden as well, Carmen, to pray for America. I've been praying for our nation. I just really believe that our prayers. Our, God is calling us to pray right now to seek Him for strength, but also to, for wisdom, and uh, that our prayers are the things that move the heart of God, I believe, in such a powerful way. So there's other things we can do, but I think it starts with starts with seeking God in His Word and in prayer, and we're going to find the strength we need there.
0: So I want to um, spend a minute here, a couple of minutes, Revisiting your book, and for those of you who want to go back and listen to my full conversation with Matt Brown about Truth Plus Love, you can um, you can do so at at My Faith Radio. The podcast is posted there. I talked with Matt in um, on May the sixth of twenty nineteen, and so I want to invite you to listen to our full conversation. But let's just revisit the topic here briefly, Matt. Um, In your book, you say that you know Christians, you know, we're facing a crisis of influence. First of all, what does that mean? And what's the you know sort of basic biblical framework for engaging culture today?
2: Right. Well, it's just this, uh, this thing that we have for the first time in history uh, that we all have these online megaphones. We have our social media accounts where we can very quickly, without thinking too hard, say how we feel about the things that are going on in our world. And if we're not careful— based on the news headlines that come across so often, based on the difficulties that we've seen this last year, it's easy to only focus on the negative or to respond to the things that we're frustrated with. And so we have to be careful as Christ followers that people see the hope that we have within us, that people see the grace of God in our lives. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't speak truth. Of course, we're called to carry both of those things, and no one's going to be perfect, and it's going to be a tension— but my my heart's desire was something God was doing in my own life and teaching me as someone who grew up in the church, who grew up, you know, and to begin to realize, what does spiritual maturity really look like? It looks like growing in the fruit of the Spirit. It looks like growing in our love and our peace and our joy as well as the truth. And so, yes, we need to learn all the wisdom and the ways of Jesus, but we also need to have this uh, very real, genuine Uh, fruit of the Spirit coming to our lives by His grace. And so people need to see that from us. we got to be careful. Uh, You know, one of the things, the challenge with social media is, I call it an online megaphone. You're really, you know, you're coming across in a very strong way because you're saying it to maybe 100 people or you're saying it maybe to 500 people, however many people are following you. And and it's not like you're just talking to a person one-on-one about how you feel about something that you've seen. So so you have to be careful about how am I coming across to people? And so those are some of the uh those are some of the the feelings that I've had as I've thought about this. But as every Christian is called to represent Christ and his kingdom, as you said, we're called to represent him and to reflect God and his grace and his character in the world. So yes, God brought this truth and this justice, and he will continue to, by the way, Carmen. God is going to continue. To bring truth and justice in our world. No man's plan can stop the Lord. But it's as believers, we got to bring this forward because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so people need to see that, you know. So those are some of the fruit of the spirit, the kindness and the gentleness. Go over that list again, read that in the scripture and make that something that you set your heart on in this season. And what I say in my book is. Truth plus love is a little bit of my journey. I talk about the fruit of the Spirit. I talk about each of those characteristics that we're called to have in our lives. And then I ultimately talk about truth. And I feel like if we carry those things well, if we grow in those things, even as we grow in the truth of God, then our influence will be expanded because people in our families will be like, man, you seem a little different. You're more loving. You know, people at our workplace will be like, man, you're a little kinder when you're telling me to get those things done, those projects done, and they'll see that that graciousness in us, even as we even as we carry truth, it will draw people to us actually and we'll be able to influence them in a greater way with truth.
0: I'm talking with evangelist Matt Brown. You can find him at thinke.org. That's for thinketernity.org. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, how you can become more fully equipped to build a platform on social media um, while remaining true to your calling uh, as a Christian. Uh, Matt is going to be offering an online course. We're going to be talking about that up next. We'll be right back. All right. If you were to uh, follow Matt Brown uh, on some of the socials, you would say to yourself, okay, that's a person um, who's got some followers, 70,000 here, 137,000 there. Lots of folks, lots of folks following evangelist Matt. So um, he knows something about building a platform. He's also a published author. Those two things often go hand in hand. Publishers are often looking for what kind of social media platform do you have? How big is your tribe? Um, but those who are aspiring authors will say, well, I'm having a hard time building a platform because I'm not published. Like, right, I don't have a book I can point to. So Matt. Help us uh, walk around in that chicken and egg reality and tell us about the course that you're going to be offering through the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference um, coming up soon.
2: Right. It's such a privilege, uh, really, and an honor to share some of these insights um, and things that I've learned over the years. Um, You know, when God calls somebody to be an evangelist, which is what I am, it comes along with this energy and this uh, passion. It's, It's a I think it's just a God-given gift that goes along with the calling. So I just, from the beginning of ministry, have desired, you know, I want to go preach in churches, I want to travel the nation, I've done that. And of course, with these new opportunities uh, of social media, uh, as they came along, I've been in ministry for 20 years now, uh, as those began to come along and the internet was more and more used for different things, uh, websites and email lists and blogs and podcasts. I just, I wanted to be involved in those things. And I saw very quickly, uh, I wasn't, I'll say this, Carmen, I wasn't quick to get on to social media. I was I was kind of a late bloomer. But as I as I began to get on them, I, I, wow, this is a great opportunity for ministry and to impact people. And so that's really where it came out of for me. Uh, of course, there's other good things and there's, there's positive and negative things with all of this. Uh, and so I just began to just, oh, I want to reach people for Christ. I want to I want to speak encouragement and speak scripture to people. And so that kind of is what began that journey of learning to build that. Now, it's such a privilege and honor to now share some of this insight with the Northwest Christian Writers Conference and with uh, University of Northwestern for a class that I want to invite uh, your listener to called Building Your Platform. And what I'm trying to do in this class through a six-week course is to take people through and help them begin to take steps towards growing to impact other people. Um, and it's something they could use for a book. It's something you can use uh, for a ministry. It's something you could use for your business uh, or whatever else that you, you feel called to do or you want to do. Uh, but uh, specifically for books and for authors and, as well. And so if you, you know, I know that a huge number of people, the, a study show, uh, have a book in them. And they have a book idea that they've thought of for a long time, so no matter where you are in the process, if you just go, "Man, I want to write a book someday, I haven't started to think about it, I haven't had time to do it," this course and some of the other courses with Northwest Christian Writers Conference would be very, very good for you to begin to think about it, and i'll just I'll just tell this old proverb real quick. Uh, it's been said, "When is the best time to plant a tree?" Well, it's ten years ago, you know, so that you could sit mm-hmm. in its shade. But the second best time to plant a tree is right now. So it's never, you know, you want to get started on this stuff. If you have that seed of an idea in your heart, if you have some stuff you've thought about over the years, and don't discount yourself. You might feel, well, I I just, uh, I'm a stay-at-home parent, or or I'm busy with my work, or whatever it is. Don't discount. If you feel like God wants you to impact other people in a greater way, this is a, this is a place for you. I'd love for you to go through these. And I had such a, a great time doing this. I always want to help other people. For me, Carmen, I you know this is like you with your show. I want to build platforms that I can sh- that I can share with others. I want to build uh, opportunities that I can share and, and lift other people up with. And so that's uh, what I'm trying to do here in this course. It's such a privilege to partner with University of Northwestern Northwestern Christian Writers Conference. There's nothing like that writers conference, by the way.
0: I know it's so fun. Um, I had a great time last year uh, and the year before. And want to invite people to join us this year. Um, it's hybrid this year, so some people will be on campus. Other people will be participating online. Again, northwesternchristianwritersconference.com is the website. Uh, the course that Matt is going to be offering is Building Your Platform. And again, you can find that at northwesternchristianwritersconference.com. The first 10 registrants for Matt's course, um, Building Your Platform, are actually going to get an autographed copy of his book, Truth plus love. So there you go. That is um that is excellent. That is great. It's a
1: good book. Yeah, th- it's
0: a really good oh, book. Oh, thank
2: you so much. And this is a course people can do from anywhere. So you can nowhere no matter where you're listening from, you can do it from anywhere. You don't need to come into the campus, I don't believe, to take no, this and be a part of this true. course. So so there's that's... there's really nothing holding people back except for you just saying, All right, I'm gonna begin to to do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna start to learn and prepare myself for for a greater impact in my own life. Because I believe it's not just, it's not about me. It's not about Carpenter, It's about what God has called you to do. And we want to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. I like the note at the bottom of the of the page. If you go to com and you uh, click on building your platform at the very bottom, it says, what will you need? Well, you will need re- reliable internet access and a computer because that's how you're going to engage with this particular course. Um, so, uh, we want to invite you to consider building your own platform in ways that honor Jesus. Um, Matt will teach you how to you know how do you champion truth without compromise. How do you treat people um, online in the ways that you would want to be treated? How do you walk in the fruit of the spirit in your social media presence and 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 by so doing, how do you actually like advance the right kind of influence? how do you represent Christ uh, in a way that Jesus would himself recognize as consistent with his character. So that's what's uh, on Matt's heart. It's uh, it's a shared heart that we have for the advancement of the kingdom in this generation. Matt Brown, thank you so much for joining us today. The website is thinke.org if you want to see what Matt is up to and connect with him on all the socials. Um, the course that we have been talking about is at northwesternchristianwritersconference.com backslash building your platform. Matt, again, thank you so much.
2: Oh, it's such a privilege. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right. I have a a couple of thoughts here at the end of the hour. First of all, listener Scott texted in and says, serious question, how do you keep from being depressed by the news these days? So much of it is about things totally unimaginable five or ten years ago. Surely Jesus is coming soon. Well, um, Scott, uh, you you read my um, my answer to you um, in the text message, but I'll offer it here to everybody because I think your question is a really good one. Uh, first of all, I take the long view, like the really long view, um, and I keep my attention on the king and the kingdom, I periodically sing, he's got the whole world in his hands. I read the book of Judges to remind me just how things, uh, just how bad things have been at other times and in other places. I familiarize myself with the testimonies of Christians around the world today who are living in very real distress. I know their names. I pray for them and their circumstances. Um, I use a physical globe to help me do that from time to time. Um, I recognize that America is not the kingdom of God. And that I am an ambassador from the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of this world right now and the particular kingdom to which I am called to bear positive public witness is the United States of America this is my time this is my place these are my people this is my thing I'm gonna get up every day and I'm gonna do it and trust me when I tell you the joy of my salvation is unassailable Um, and yeah I recognize that that invites the enemy Um, to try to bring me down. But let me just tell you, my Christ is bigger. Christ is bigger than the news of this day and all the evil in it. He wins. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.